Now it's time for Live with the Vibe. Your four expert coaches have heart-to-heart conversations, share their thoughts and points of view about the things that matter to you most, love, relationships, your career, and trauma. Here's Julian Cantarella, Jackie Atchison, Susan Greif, and Amy Blumberg. It's time to learn a little, laugh a little. It's time for The Vibe. Hi, and welcome to Live with The Vibe, where we have the heart-to-heart conversations. I'm Julianne Cantarella. I'm Jackie Atchison. I'm Susan Greif. And I'm Amy Blumberg. So I'm going to start today, and I'm going to ask each one of you to imagine. Okay? Okay. So this is going to be using your imagination. So it's Sunday night. Oh, meditation. It's Sunday night. You're all watching TV with kids, husband, whoever it is in your home. And you think about the amazing weekend you just had. And it was with friends, it was with family, you went to a party. And then all of a sudden, as you're sitting there and you're by yourself or your husband left the room, you have this sinking feeling, this pit in your stomach. Okay, so when you think about that, that pit just won't go away. So what I wanted to say is that based on the fact that we all know we've been there, Gallup, which does a lot of surveys, talks about that only 24% of Americans enjoying their weekend to the fullest, which is incredible, which blew me away. And not only that, but Monster.com talks about the fact that 76% of Americans report a really bad Sunday night and that they have what they call the Sunday night blahs, blues, and they, they don't know what triggers it but something triggered it and that's how they started to feel because they might be in denial about something. So what I wanted to ask each one of you tonight is is what is your Sunday night when you have that pit and all of a sudden you're going, oh my God, or your kids. And I talk about it in business and I talk about it with family because sometimes they connect. So I wanna ask you that question, going back to that imagination, is what was it that was keeping you up on Sunday night and why couldn't you sleep? And Jackie, I'm looking at you, so you tell me, you know, what could that be? Well, I could tell you going back to when I had kids and I was in business with my ex-husband, it was hard enough being in business and married to a man that I know this was not gonna go forever, but yet we had to be in business together to support the home. Um, Knowing that I had to be with him and fix a lot of mistakes. It's like being with a bad boss, even though we were partners. And that was a huge pit in my stomach because we could be arguing all weekend or he could have been non-existent with my children because his mind and who he was was off somewhere else and there was never an escape from him. And then you have the children who you've now, they have the routine, you've got to get them back to work, they have to get ready for school, it's time to make the lunches, get them out the door without fighting. I'm actually feeling it. I'm like, I'm getting, I'm getting closed in my throat. I'm still there with all of that. Yeah, so yeah, that was really rough. I don't have that now, thank God, but as you're talking, I'm like getting tight all over. What about you? Yeah, it's easy to do that. I mean, same. I have three kids at home, so it's, first thing when you were doing the exercise with us, it's, what am I going to make for dinner every night this week? (laughs) I'm serious. That's like a really huge thing because you're ma- I'm managing a job, right? Yeah. My business. I have clients that I take care of. I'm in that sweet spot where it's been almost 15 years, so I really know what I'm doing with them. It's a matter of the external that's 
pushing in on that. So it's the laundry, the, the dinners, the organization of getting kids to the different activities and making sure that they're you know, getting to where they need to be, medical appointments, all of that. So there's a lot that presses in on us, I think, and I'm still there, so mm -hmm. I'm, I'm getting it every, night, every Sunday night. Yeah. What about you, Susan? Yeah. Actually, it also brought me back more to my past with my children. I have four children, and just making sure that you know they got their homework done and that their activities done and their clothes are chosen. Um, and I would always feel anxiety for my husband who had to go to work the next day. He's, he's got a very stressful job. So there's a lot of anxiety that was going throughout the house. And um, for me, I think what I created for me and even today is just really planning my calendar wow. ahead of time. And even with the four kids, each kid had their days planned so I know what they're all doing. Well, for me, if I go back to business, for me, it was what I called the mean girl syndrome. Mm. It was the anticipation of having to walk into the office and having to deal with confrontation and dealing with people belittling or people really being difficult or having to go to a meeting and present something and feeling that angst because I knew no matter what I said, it was always going to be wrong. Mm. And so knowing those mean girl syndromes, they, they exist, but we've all encountered people, and I think some of you talked about it with communication and poor relationships or lack of relationships or lack of leadership. And so for me, it was really that stressor that I would feel, and I would be like, oh my God, how am I gonna get up and go to work tomorrow on Monday? And I loved my job, but I hated my job. And Throughout my career, I've always worked with great people, but when you don't work with a great person or you don't have great business partners, it really makes you think twice about what you want to do. And it also would carry over to the family because it would put a lot of stress and pressure on me all weekend long to say, oh my God, I know I have all this coming up. And I don't know if you felt this way, but I also had to travel sometimes. So it also meant to you, Julie, and I love what you said about, oh my God, you had to anticipate what's gonna happen all week long. Yeah. So if I was traveling for the week, what was I gonna do? And I would feel that angst, that tugging, feeling. So all that mindfulness that we, we practiced and we talked about, like went out yeah. the window like in two seconds. Of course. <laughs> yes. So when you think about what you experienced, Jackie, and the fact that you felt that in business, what led you to becoming a sole practitioner? And, and how do you manage that same Sunday night feeling of what you do now? Well, I did work in big corporate America, but many years ago, I'm going back to the 90s, you know, while I was transitioning in and out and knowing that I was gonna leave and how to really find myself again and earn money because I was gonna be getting divorced. It was part of this plan, grand plan for my sanity. Um, there was a mean girl. You know, you could love your job, and, but all you need is one bad apple that puts that knot inside your stomach. But for now, I mean, I'm not juggling as much, thank God, but I do have children and grandchildren and I wanna be able to help. And I have my business, which again, I, I still relate a lot to being a career woman. I used to, it used to be above everything else. Now at least it's even with being a wife and a mother and a sister and a daughter and a friend. But it is so much to juggle. But I just look at the good. 
It sounds really crazy, but I always try to find the gratitude. Yeah. Yeah. And I find, instead of putting the pressure on myself for what I haven't done, and I do enough of that, I have to talk to myself. I do a lot of self-talk. So I get out of that amygdala, that, that fight, flight, or freeze part of my brain, that, mm -hmm. and I get into the thinking and going, this is what you are grateful for, this is what you have, what can you do to make tomorrow a little better so you don't wake up feeling the same way. So I do a lot of self-talk yeah. and I take and I make lists. I make lists, Susan. I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, something I want to share with you is is really also another interesting thing and that would be is look at this. 85% of people hate their job. Is that wow. unbelievable? I, I think it's about sad, that. So sad. It wow. is. It's very sad. Well, you know, it's interesting because when I just looked at that, it made me think of like, we are in the New York City, the greater New York City area. So, so many people come here to be actors and actresses and musicians and artists, and they can't be. So, they take on the other jobs that they can't stand, exactly what you're referring to. Or even to earn people a living. Who come to New York to be part of the financial sector. Yeah, or, or immigrants. Yeah, true. Hate their jobs because they come here from their country, they could have been dentists, but they can't practice here anymore. So that's another thing I flip around. I notice that the people, the jobs they have, they're waiters and waitstaff and cashiers and just to earn money. So what I try to do is make them feel a little better and lighten up their day. If they have a name tag, mm -hmm. I say, Hi, Joan. How are you today? Because I know that's not who they want to be. They're just doing it. So I think making them feel better about it and making them smile oh, just makes it's things respect. a little lighter. It's it is. But how many people have you ever seen? Have you ever been with friends or people that are really not nice yeah. to wait staff and people that's like that? That's the number one feedback I get if when I plan an introduction. If the gentleman's rude to the waitstaff. Wow. Oh, I, I, do I yeah. hear that? And it's mm -hmm. like, oh, it's crazy. It's really awful. It's really, and it's uncalled for, and it's not necessary, Absolutely. quite frankly. So yeah, no, but I hear that all the time. Yeah. And then I have to go back and so, coach them and say, hey, <laughs> don't do that. Also interesting is, you know, in our generation or our parents' generation, I think people stayed with their job, whether they were miserable or not, for years, for decades. Now I think the millennials are like, they're quick to quit. Well, I also think that's what they thought they were supposed to do. Right. It was yeah. you get a job, you stay, you stay forever, you get a pension and a gold watch, and then you leave. And that's, that was really successful, though. For, that was really a sign of success. Mm -hmm. But then again, that's when there were a lot of large, large corporations. True. Right now, we have just the Amazons and the Costcos, and they just they, eat up everything. They do. That's why 40% of the world's are now consultants so, and coaches yep. and yes. independent right. contractors. Yep. Absolutely. Because those big companies only hire us yeah. and it's that right. way. They don't want payroll. It's saves them a lot of money. Right. Yeah. So the world has changed too. It's very hard to find one company unless you're in a union setting to stay with forever. And, and I was going to say when people do that, it's, you're not as engaged. And you're not engaged for many different reasons. And you know, Susan, I think you brought it up, but you know, it's the lack of communication. It's the lack of partnership. And you go to, I mean, I can't imagine now going to a job every day and fighting that struggle and not being able to talk to the people I work with and not having relationships. Because look, I have you to vibe with. Right. You are my, my, my colleagues and my friends and partners in such a different way. Right. But when I was working uh, in, in a corporate world and, and in many different jobs, 
jobs I've had, I always felt that competitiveness. We've talked about that. Right. But that competitiveness and that struggle for me, and that's where that mean girl thing came in, is mm. I think there was so much competition. And we, I even worked for people that made that challenging. And so I always believed in empowering and giving people the confidence to do well. But I, I don't understand today when I think and I look at 85% of the people don't like their job. That's huge. Huge. And you know, you, I have kids, we all have kids, grandkids, and what do you tell your kid? You know, what do you tell your kid? And say, well, oh my God, when you read that or she hears about it, well, I'm not sure I'm doing the right thing. So what do you guys tell your kids or your grandkids? You know, it's interesting. I'm thinking about exactly that, kids and grandkids. Um, goes back to last week's show, a little bit about mindfulness. I mean, you have to try to live your passion in the best way possible, mm -hmm. but how do you make the best of each day and how do you eliminate the negative so you don't get sick, so your immune system doesn't right. break down, so you don't see the doctor to get healthy, but what can you do to stay healthy? Or you make changes. And, and Susan, you started to talk about how the millennials are now not staying you know, very long in a, in a job. So my oldest is kind of just on the tail end of being a millennial, and she's in college, and she has to declare, declare a major. And I'm like thinking to myself, how could someone do that? 18 years old, decide what they want to do for the rest of their lives. So well, I, I've not done nothing with my original degree. <laughs> you know, I majored in biology. Um, I was pre-dental or pre-med, and I quit the day after orientation. That's a different show. <laughs> um, but you know, it just you just don't know at 18 years old what you really want to do. You know. Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because I was li I was driving my daughter back to school, and my husband and I were listening to a book on tape with Michelle Obama, that great book. Mm -hmm. And in the forward, she talked about that when she was a young person, she would go to parties, and people would say, and they would turn to her and say, "Oh, wow, it's your junior year of college. What are you going to be? What do you want to do with your life? And what do you want to do?" And she said, "As an adult." Today, she said, that is the stupidest question you could ask a 19, 20, or 21-year-old yeah. person. Because she talked about how she changed careers and she did things, right. but you can't make that decision. And you don't want to make that decision because you don't want, you know, how do you know? And, and that's where people take jobs and they're not engaged mm -hmm. because they don't do and follow what their passion was. Right. Yeah. You know, from our day and age, because we were the burning of the bras, the flower child, girl generation. Not you. Not you. <laughs> Don't worry. Sorry. <laughs> it's a diverse age group here, ladies. <laughs> but my generation, um, the women literally had to be in a um, place where not only did they have to work, but most of them didn't have a passion. And it was very common to have seven careers. And that was actually the number. Women had seven careers over their lifetime. So if you, if you see Secretary, the seven-year-old, if you speak to the women in their late 60s and 70s, they've had many, many careers because they just didn't know what they wanted to do. And going back to how do you do it, they kept striving for more. And they looked for what their passion was. I mean, I was one of them. So um, I have to say, it, it, like I'm finally doing my passion. But everything I did, I put my whole heart into, and I loved. Because that's what you do. Yeah, it is what you do. <laughs> well, I, Otherwise, yeah. you're a miserable person. <laughs> so why would you want to be miserable, yeah. right? right? Well, I always thought of my own society. What I would create is my own society. Instead of putting kids in college right away, because mm -hmm. I feel it's like a 
playpen until they're ready for the real world and instead get mentored in different areas in your life and while you're being mentored, you get paid, and that money goes towards college when you're ready. Wow, what an interesting and then you don't have to worry about the student loan situation. You know which direction you really want because you've already explored different areas. So, you know, when the world is ready to take on my society idea, then we'll talk about <laughs> well, that. You know, but, but you, support it. Well, <laughs> because, you know, it's interesting because Israel has the kids when they come out of high school, they serve. Right. For two years. Yes. And that really the gets Army. them, yes. yeah, yes. it doesn't necessarily mean on the battleground. It just right. means, I mean, that they're part of a, a society. Society. And they learn and, different and they traits learn there. traits. They learn if this is what they want to do. Now, maybe whether it's what engineering, else. whether it's medical, whether mm -hmm. it's, you know, interesting. And, yeah, it's a great mm -hmm. idea. And actually, concept. just quickly, in Greece, it's interesting because I go with my husband a lot because of the maritime law. And um, they go to college. And then the lawyers, they, they become a lawyer after their undergraduate, but they have to go and work as an intern with a small stipend for a number of years in a law firm. So that's before how they, they can practice. Before, yeah, but that's how they get their education. It's not going for a higher degree. It's something similar, right. but in reverse, to see if it's something they really like, if it's what they want, and they get the practical hands-on experience. So that's right. another way to yeah. wake well, up happy every day or not, but well, to experience it. As a social worker, I had to do field placement. Mm -hmm. And I had to do it in several different environments. And that's, for me, that's one of the things I loved about being so, a social worker. I could work with many different populations. And I was able to find one that I loved and I stayed with. And I never thought I'd be doing this work now. But it's to the point, going back to the point of doing different things across your career. Mm -hmm. as a, yeah. But in all those little things, we learn from and we gather information. And that funnels us into what we do now. Yes. Right? Well, I was actually going to say it, all of us coach for different reasons and different types of clients. So when you think to, to the types of clients you work with and how that job and what they do and their lack of fulfillment, their lack of passion, their, their angst, their fears, all the things that might show up and for many, many reasons, I would be curious to understand, you know, like for you, Julianne, you know, you have someone that is dating, they're miserable at their job. What do you do? What do you say to them? Because clearly all of those things overflow into your life. Mm -hmm. So very often, you know, we talk about that. You know, it's, it's discussing it. It's being able to process it. You know, if you're isolating those emotions and those feelings and not being able to talk to anyone about it, that can make the situation even worse. So having me as the coach so that they can process and talk about it and come up with strategic ideas to combat what they're experiencing is so helpful. And then we make sure that it's not showing up in their relationship. You know, whether they're developing a relationship or just even starting to date, we wanna make sure that's not showing up there, that they leave that in our session or at the door and really determine, you know, if they want this relationship, they do have to make it a priority, you know, and they need to make it something that they work towards. I was gonna say the only good thing when I was going through all that stress was is I lost weight because I was so stressed I couldn't eat. So I would have gone on all those dates. It would have been great. <laughs> There's always a bright side. Yes, exactly. What about you guys? Anything that you can share, you know, in terms of what you share with your clients and how they sort of can navigate through that? Mm. Well, a lot of my clients are coming to me where they have been stay-at-home moms and now they're going to be forced out into the workforce because the money and the pot, whether it's the 
spouse, and I'm just going to say in this case the husband, but it could be the other way because a lot of times now the women are the wage earners. But now the income gets split, the assets get split, things you think were are no longer, and now you have to head out the door. I mean, alimony, depending how long you're married, if it's over 20 years, it's different than less, but you have to get re-educated, and alimony is usually five years. So it gives you a chance to retrain, recertify, re-educate, figure out what you want to do. But imagine going through that while you're going through the breakup of a family and a divorce. So it's really important, as you say in dating, the same thing. I work with my clients on eating properly, sleeping the right way, finding things on the outside that they can do to enjoy themselves. They also have to deal with you know, they relate to being this full-time parent, and then all of a sudden, they're upset because I'm not seeing my kid on the weekend, or I only have the kid every other week. Right. But I have to work with them on that to realize that when you had the kids, you almost wished for time away, so now you have it, so let's develop you. You finally get a chance to develop you, which is a part of that is the component of work. Yeah, but there's so much stress attached to that, and sometimes you're such a poor communicator at work. I mean, we talk about this right. a lot, Susan, is the biggest disconnect is not talking at work and working for a lousy boss mm. on top of it. So I don't know if that plays a factor. Well, the first thing is, you know, talk about communication. Sometimes people react. Mm. So they'll send an email or they'll say something too quickly because they're reacting to what had happened. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's the reality, but it triggers something in us, and we need to get it out right away without thinking. So I would tell my clients, you know, before you email, you know, stop, put it down, and come back to it, and figure out why it's triggering you, what is it go what's really going on. And also finding your voice, to be able to really say what's on your mind. You know, I've done some corporate workshops, you know, in the corporate world where, you know, there's different personalities that come through. How flexible are you willing to open up and hear mm. other people's point of view? You know, if you're a type A, how do you deal with the type B personality? So it's really interesting in how that comes up. I could have used you. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I have a lot of that in mediating. Yeah. When family, as a divorce mediator, you hit a lot of that, understanding the other person, how to communicate yeah. effectively. And I do it now, because a lot of my clients come to me in the should I or shouldn't I stage. Mm -hmm. And they probably want to stay together. How do they do that? It's changing the communication skills. I call exactly. it hitting the pause button, put exactly. it in the draft folder. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, there's a lot. Take a and, that, and that and holds think. true for business. It's all the same, but it's learning new ways to communicate that are effective Correct. so you can get what you want, see what the goal is, how to get there. And there's a lot of different ways. A lot of people, when they're caught in that you know, amygdala, in that fight, flight, or freeze, they only see this or right. that. They don't realize there's this whole big great abyss in the middle of right. where they can do things. And that's what, I guess that's what we come in and help them with, right? Yeah. So I, I actually do this drawing thing, a mural that we go around with each person and like you draw certain things and you need to be flexible with the other person's drawings to add to it. Mm -hmm. But there's one woman, she was a lawyer and all her stuff was like lines, 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 very, you know, you can see her personality in it. And she came back to her original drawing when everybody drew on t over it and there's a lot of like, 
sunshines and roundness and curves. And she looks at it and she says, like, are they trying to tell me I need to be softer and warmer? Mm. Wow. wow. She that's had that really, insight? Yes. Yeah, I that's said, pretty amazing. Well, I said, well, what do you think? You know, <laughs> like, it comes from, you know, within. So, yeah. you know, you can't realize, like, okay, you can't be so... Rigid. Right. But going back to that, imagine that client being someone I coached in business, meaning the woman who's the lawyer, and she's miserable at her job. She knows she needs to change. Maybe she doesn't want to be softer. She doesn't think she needs to be. And how do you tell somebody who every Sunday night, the dread, the emotion that shows up? And that's where I encourage people to really think about career reinvention and change. And that's the struggle that people have too, is, is you're in this job and you're miserable and it's Sunday night and you just don't know how to get past it. So, you know, if you had to think about how you would tell clients of what they should do, each one of us, or for yourself, or your family, if there was someone in your life, what would be the one thing that you would want to share with our audience that would make a difference for them on how they might want to deal with the weekend and anticipation of Sunday, knowing that Monday morning needs to be a new day? Okay, I'm thinking back to when I was younger again, whether I was working corporate America or in business with my ex-husband, just the overwhelm of the family and the juggle and the laundry and every, whatever it is, homework, after school activities. Again, I thought, we thought, I came from a generation because we just started working of super moms. We had to do everything. We had to do everything perfectly. I prided myself on that mistake. And what I tell my clients now is ask. Learn how to ask in a loving way. Ask your spouse for help. Your children at certain ages can do things. Oh, yes. They're very capable. Get your children on board. Make it a fun family event. But everybody does, we're part of a family. And this is what we do to get each other smiling and happy and out the door. Do things together and ask for help. Yeah, I think that's wonderful advice. And I think it's fantastic. And that's something that I talk about with my clients too. And I also talk about scheduling something during the week that's going to bring you joy. Mm -hmm. Pick one thing that you know is gonna bring you joy and schedule it, put it on your calendar and uh, make sure that you do that, that you carve out time for you, but specifically that's gonna bring you joy. Mm. It's important that we experience that. Yeah, and I think it's important to be organized. You know, come Sunday, that gives you a sense of control mm-hmm. and out of your chaos. So find order in your chaos by creating um, whatever it is, whether you have to pick out your clothing the night before, whether you have to schedule, whether you have to make sure you get the phone numbers you need, or whether you have to make sure you know how to get to a certain place and how long it'll take you to get there. All of these need to be planned out. It kind of creates a calmness so that when you're organized, because what creates anxiety is the unknown. That's right. right. Is That's that right. why you bought us all calendars? Well, I was going to say from one fellow Virgo to another, oh, because God, we yeah. believe in organization. Yes. And I, I go back to laying things out the night before. Yeah. Starting the weekend off with the things you know are going to really get you stuck on a Sunday night, so you get it done but also treating Sunday like a Saturday. Mm -hmm. And I like that because then that way Saturdays for me are fun days when I would get to Sundays and be like, oh my God, oh, I gotta get everything done. So I would get all that stuff done first so that I didn't wait till the last minute. Mm -hmm. 
So that, that way I could enjoy my Sundays. And when I would go away, I would wait to the last flight, the last way of getting home so that I didn't have to deal with Sunday. And boom, I'd wake up and it'd be Monday. And it was like a new week for me. So, you know, it's trying to anticipate, like you right. said, and plan. And while you do that, you know, you can you know, end your Sundays earlier and get to bed earlier and just enjoy time with your spouse or your kids. Yeah, yeah, because I would always wait the last minute. Or binge watch your favorite show. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for Sunday night TV. Uh, not football, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies, I've loved talking to you. It was a lot of fun vibing with you guys. Yes. I'm Amy Blumberg. I'm Susan Greif. I'm Jackie Atchison. And I'm Julianne Cantarella. And, and we, we are live with, with the vibe. vibe.